Good afternoon, Tuscaloosa. Good afternoon, Tuscaloosa, West Alabama, Internet World, downtown Northport. Everywhere you're watching the Joe Gaither Show on Bama Central and BamaCentral.com. We love it and we appreciate everybody watching us on YouTube, on Facebook, on Twitter. You can find us and listen to us on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, and on Amazon. And, of course, the best place to find us is right there on BamaCentral.com. I am, of course, your host, Joe Gaither. You can find me on the social media machines at JoeGaither6 on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, Snapchat, really wherever you find your social medias, you can find me at JoeGaither6. And we're going to have a fun week. We're going to have a, a fun week right here on the program. We're hopefully going to catch up with a member of the Yay Alabama's contingents. Uh, going back to our conversation on Friday, we're going to get a little corrections. We're going to get a little details about Yay Alabama. This week, we're hopefully going to talk to Caleb Oden from Carrollton High School. Uh, Caleb Oden and the Carrollton Trojans lost their opener to Langston Hughes on Friday night. You could have seen that on ESPN, too. Uh, so hopefully we will catch up with Caleb Oden this week as well. We're going to have a fun week. What are we, 12 days away? 12 days away from Alabama kicking off against MTSU right there in Bryant-Denny Stadium. Cannot wait for that to get underway and get rolling. But we still have 12 more days. So hopefully we're going to catch up with a, a member of the MTSU media contingent next week. Uh, that'll be a lot of fun to set up the Blue Raiders coming to town. But what are we going to do today? Well, we're going to talk about Alabama scrimmage. Alabama hit their final scrimmage on Saturday in Bryant-Denny Stadium. We heard from head coach Nick Saban after the scrimmage. And we got some news and notes and sources talking to us about what happened on Saturday. So we'll talk about that. We're going to talk about Nick Dunlap. Nick Dunlap winning the U.S. Amateur Championship yesterday on NBC. You could have watched that about 2, 3 o'clock yesterday. Becoming the first golfer in the first golfer to win the uh, u.s junior amateur and the u.s amateur championship since tiger woods so now tiger woods and nick dunlap in company together we'll talk about that for just a minute and the ladies went up to birmingham and beat uab yesterday in soccer so we'll hit on that as well before we jump into the program and get this scrimmage talk started we want to encourage you guys to follow the other balance central podcast all Things Bama with Katie Windham and Austin Hannon and our friends Blue Collar Unplugged with Blake Byler, Matthew Gibson, and Jacob Pickle bringing you all things basketball related on Blue Collar Unplugged. The three of us together make up the Bama Central Broadcasting Network and we are so, so happy to be a part of Bama Central as we are getting underway in the fall semester. If you're paying attention to the academic calendar, our students here right here in Tuscaloosa get started on Tuesday, I believe, Tuesday, Tuesday or Wednesday, uh, classes officially get rolling. You had move-in weekend this past weekend. I hope all of you who moved back into Tuscaloosa, hope it went smoothly for you. The heat was hot, so it was not a, not, not, not nice for uh, – <laughs> Not nice for moving furniture and moving uh, stuff back into dorms and apartments, but ideally everybody mo got moved in safely and we're ready for the new semester. So let's talk. Let's talk about Alabama's spring scrimmage, the second scrimmage on Saturday. We talked about the, this scrimmage last weekend, last Monday, so subsequently that's what we're going to do for this Monday. The, the final scrimmage happened in Bryant-Denny Stadium, and what do you want to start with? Let's start with the most obvious talking point, quarterbacks under center. Who's leading the Crimson Tide out of the tunnel? Who's getting the first crack 
at the first team offense, it's Jalen Milrow. It's Jalen Milrow basically taking all his snaps with the first team offense uh, this past weekend. And Jalen Milrow getting the first crack at the first team offense uh, with, with, with the first team offense. And reports say that Jalen Milrow was moving the ball down the field with the first team offense and doing doing well. Now, reports also say that uh, you dealt with some drops. Jalen Milrow threw a, a, a pass out to Malik Benson and ended up, uh, unfortunately, the Juco transfer dropping a touchdown pass, what would have been a touchdown pass on a busted coverage. You had multiple drops on busted coverages. I think Kobe Prentice had, had a drop on busted coverage. I think Kendrick Law had a drop on busted coverage. I think Amari Nyblack had a drop. Multiple drops. Isaiah Bond would drops as well. Multiple drops making it difficult to kind of discern and decide who's playing who's playing quarterback at the best level. Now, you, you hear from people at the scrimmage. I've talked to a couple of people that were at the scrimmage that walked away saying all the quarterbacks kind of looked the same uh, to a certain degree. All the quarterbacks had highs and all the quarterbacks had lows. If you listen to Nick Saban, Nick Saban was very, very vague after, uh, after the scrimmage. Let me pull up his quote real quick. Uh, let me pull up his quote right here. He talked about all the quarterbacks got reps. All the quarterbacks, here we go, <laughs> uh, right there. Uh, uh, they all got to play. They all got snaps. They all completed some passes. They all made some throws that weren't as good as they should have been. They all got sacked. That's what I saw per head coach Nick Saban after the scrimmage. And, yeah, this rolls into numerous issues. People are wondering about, oh, who's going to play quarterback? Will it be Milrow? Will it be Ty Simpson? Will Tyler Buckner get the job? Or even Dylan Lonergan? All four quarterbacks getting a lot of buzz after the scrimmage. Eli Holstein, sorry, buddy, you're a distant fifth. Sounds like he made some decent plays as well. Had a nice 40-yard run with his legs. But he seems like he's a distant fifth. And that's, that's okay for a freshman. Going to uh, redshirt Eli Holstein and likely see what we're going to see out of him next spring when uh, – uh, when Julian Sayan comes to town and the quarterback uh, battle continues to, to wage on. The problem is, if you're having poor pass protection, which we are right now, if you're having inconsistencies in the wide receiver room, which we are right now, uh, th th then really I think it makes it difficult to judge who's playing quarterback at the best level. Now, Tyler Buckner got a lot of got a lot of love after uh, this scrimmage. Sounds like Tyler Buckner is starting to pick up uh, a little bit of steam, and it seems like Tyler Buckner had his best day in a crimson uniform. Now, not the best day out of the three quarterbacks, but his best day in an Alabama uniform to date, which is a positive sign. You want all these quarterbacks to be raising their level, raising the level, no matter who you're playing or who you're pulling forward to be the quarterback you want them all to be improving and it seems like Tyler Buckner has taken some steps forward leading the leading the offense on a uh, 80 85 85 yard touchdown drive so Tyler Buckner getting a little love Ty Simpson getting a little love the problem with Ty Simpson is the game's just still moving a little too fast now Ty Simpson has the distinct disadvantage of continuously playing against the first team defense and what I heard from the scrimmage is the first team defense is very very good the first team defense is all over the place the first team defense is putting massive pressure on the quarterbacks uh and yes you don't like to hear that sounds like you're having some problems on the offensive line in pass protection but in run blocking it sounds like the, the first team offensive line is road grading is opening up holes along the offensive line. So it seems like 
uh, just initial takeaways from what we've heard is that this shift, the the want to run first attitude for Alabama is going like it, it, it sounds like a no brainer that that has to be the method that has to be w- uh, the strategy going into the first couple of weeks. Ride the running game, ride the offensive line, let the quarterbacks kind of ease their way into playing well, ease their way into leading this team. The problem is it's hard to judge what you're seeing because if the first-team defense is getting a lot of pressure, quarterback pressure, it sounds like Jalen Milrow got sacked numerous times. If the first-team defense is getting a lot of pressure, what does that mean? Is the first-team defense really, really good, or is the offensive line really, really bad, or is it somewhere in between? I'm choosing to look at the glass half full because I'm kind of a silver linings positive guy usually. So I think that means that the defense is playing really, really high level football. I heard good things about Chris Braswell and Dallas Turner. I heard good things about Tresman Marshall and obviously Deontay Lawson. Deontay Lawson is is handling his business and doing his thing as, as the, uh, the kind of the lead dog. Uh, I heard great things about Tim Keenan. Your first team defensive line was Tim Keenan, uh, Justin Aboigby, and Jaheim Otis. The three of those guys seem like they're really coming along. Obviously, you guys all saw Jaheim Otis last year every single week. A little bit better, a little bit better. And, and Jaheim Otis seems like he is just uh, – Jaheim Otis seems like he's got that fire in him to never, ever, ever really – uh, seems like he's intrinsically motivated uh, at a high level to to continue to. I mean, obviously, you come to campus, you lose a bunch of weight, you reshape your body, you work your way into the starting role last year as a freshman, and it seems like he's still just not satisfied, which I love. It seems like he's still just developing himself from a strength perspective, from a motor perspective, from an understanding perspective. And it sounds like Jaheim Otis is really, really coming along. And I'm like, oh gosh, I'm excited. I'm excited to see Alabama with. Ideally, a dominant defensive lineman. It's been a hot minute since Alabama's had a really dominant defensive lineman. Obviously, Christian Barmore had his moments, but inconsistent, inconsistent. And you had, uh, what was it, Quentin Williams was probably your last dominant defensive lineman. Imagine if we can get somebody in that realm, in that talent realm. So it's hard to judge. With that being the context, it's hard to judge your quarterbacks. When your defense is playing really well, you're not getting a ton of support along the offensive line and in the wide receiver room. It sounds like you're. It sounds like not everyone's struggling with drops, uh, specifically, but it sounds like everyone's struggling with the inherent drop from from here or there. You had a report that Benson had a drop, that Bond had a drop, that Law had a drop, that Nightbike had a drop, had a drop, but none of them having multiple drops. The issue is it's just hitting at the wrong time. It's hitting it. Kendrick Law had a touchdown pass go through his hands. Malik Benson had a touchdown pass go through his hands. If you're having drops, I mean, yeah, it's not an interception. Great. But if you're having drops, you are basically nuking your offense. I mean, to to have a throw, I'm throwing it six yards to whoever, Johnny Johnny Football, and it hits him in the hands or it hits him somewhere in the catch radius, and he's having a drop. It's a dead play. It's a dumb play. It's it's it's, it's as good as I don't know. It, it, it's it's as good as a negative rush, really. You then go into second and ten, or you go into third and ten, or whatever the case may be, third and six, still third and eight, whatever the case may be, because you have that drop and, and you nuke any chance of having real consistent offensive play. And so, look, Coach Saban, I think we have a lot of wide receivers with a lot of talent, but you've got to at this point with two weeks left in the season. 
or excuse me, two weeks left in fall camp uh, until the season, you've got to really start to narrow down, I think, the wide receiver rotation. Narrow down the wide receiver rotation and really just play the guys who you can count on. Play the guys who you can really rely on. Oh, if the ball is in, Jacoby Brooks' catch radius, he's getting it. Is he going to catch the ball? Like, of course, we all want to see yak and run after catch, and we all want to see, you know, yards after the catch. But the most important thing is catching the gum football. You have to have guys out there who can catch the ball. And so I think that you – now, on the flip side, you want to give an excuse for the wide receivers. You Having four different guys throw you the football across fall camp – isn't always the easiest thing because you got four different guys with four different release styles, with four different spin rates, with four different velocities, with four different ideas and mindsets on where and how the ball should be delivered. And so you're starting, in my opinion, to have a little bit of an issue like giving, leaving the competition wide open, leaving the quarterback competition wide open. I think it's creating just a little bit of an issue consistency-wise along the offensive line in pass protection and out in the wide receiver room as far as receiving the ball. Look, you know last year we had Bryce Young, baby Bryce, just sitting back there extending plays left and right. The quarter, uh, the quarterbacks that you have right now can do a touch of that, but with the, with the offensive line, if you're thinking, okay, we have to pass pro, where you know it's a pass play, we're all slide protection right, man protection left, this that or the other, it creates I don't know, it's just inconsistency when, when you have oh a different quarterback behind you each and every time. Oh my man Jalen Milrow likes to roll out to my left, so I want to protect this way or that way. I, I think it creates a little bit of a mint, an extra mental hurdle trying to learn the guy who's behind you as an offensive lineman and still as a wide receiver trying to learn the guy, how the ball is going to be delivered from the different from the different quarterbacks. So uh, I would love to see, and you know, coach is not going to say, coach is not going to say this week and he's not going to say next week who the starting quarterback is going to be. He's going to say, wait till 6.30 p.m. on Saturday, September 2nd. You'll see who the quarterback's going to be. And it's going to be Jalen Milrow. And I don't ever really want – I don't want to say let's go ahead and cut out Tyler Buckner and Simpson and, and, and Lonigan, but whoever the quarterback is at the leader, uh, whoever's leading the competition, it's time to develop and it's time to uh, enhance the chemistry along the offensive line and enhance the chemistry with your wide receivers and kind of settle into a rhythm. Every time that Jalen Miller is under center, I'm getting the ball thrown at me right here. I'm getting the ball thrown at me right there. Every time Jalen Milrow is under center, I got to block a little bit longer or I, I got to, you know, do, step a little bit to the outside or leave a rush lane open to the inside. Jalen Milrow, his athleticism is off the charts, off the charts. I wonder and am a little bit concerned with the Alabama offense in terms of the passing game because of the inconsistencies that you're seeing under center. Um, and not only not just inconsistencies in level of play and in production, but in play styles. Uh, I think Tyler Buckner is, is a nice little quarterback, but obviously his play style is not the same as Dylan Lonergan, as Ty Simpson, as Jalen Milrow. And so you start to mix mix different styles, uh, and, and, and I think that it, it creates a little bit of a detriment along the offensive line and pass protection and with the wide receivers. Now, I heard good things about Ty Simpson. I heard good things about Tyler Buckner. I heard great things about Dylan Lonergan. 
Dylan Onigan uh, seems like a real ball player. Seems like he's going to have a, has a real edge to his game. And coach last week complimented Lonergan towards the end of the week, and then he complimented him again on Saturday after the scrimmage. Basically, let's see, I'll read you his exact quote on Dylan Lonergan. He's done really well. He's shown great ability, great potential. I think that's the thing that he really needs to improve on. Or he think reading one hundred and one. Sorry. He's done really well. He's shown great ability, great potential. I think that's the thing he needs is experience. Everyone says, what's experience? What is your ability to self-assess? I have better self-ability. I have better ability to self-assess right now than I did when I was 18 years old. How do you learn to do that? Through experience. You have experiences. You make mistakes. You mess up and say, well, I'm never going to do that again. That's how you learn to progress. So he's a talented guy and certainly a guy that we want to continue to try to develop. But he's done a nice job so far through camp. Dylan Lonigan, everybody that you talk to uh, about the quarterback position comes away and says, oh, that Dylan Lonigan. I think he might have your best arm talent right now in the room. Think that he might have the best arm talent as far as knowing how and where to throw the football, knowing the velocities, knowing how the delivery is supposed to go. The issue with Dylan Lottigan is total true freshman, no college experience. And it seems like whenever he's going up against first team defense, whenever he's kind of thrown into the fire, he's just a little too slow in the processing department. Well, you'd expect that the dude's 18 years old. He played high school football last year and jumping in to play against the Alabama defense that I expect to be incredible this year. Like, golly, all the reports about the Alabama defense right now are off the charts good. So Dylan Lodigan, look, I think that he does probably have the best, mm, the, the, the most complete arm talent and is delivering the football probably the most consistently out of the four or five. The problem is I don't know that he is really ready to take the Alabama playbook and run with it. I don't know that he's ready to take the Alabama playbook and make adjustments along the line of scrimmage to recognize what defenses are trying to do to him at this stage in the game. Now, does that mean that he's completely out of it? No, 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 no. I think that what you're going to see through these first four weeks is the quarterback battle will continue through the MTSU, Texas, USF, and who's the other bum team with, that you're playing? Kent State, is that it? Oh, goodness gracious, I'm losing my, my brain. Alabama football schedule. You're playing uh, South Florida. Did I not just say that? Uh, I did just say that. MTSU, Texas, South Florida, and then and then Ole Miss. Okay, yes, I, I totally made up one more team. Uh, I was totally off base with one more team. Uh, so, yeah, you, I think your quarterback battle is going to go through the first three weeks, and by the time you're playing Ole Miss right here September 23rd, it's going to uh, – you're going to see more, something more set, settle in. I think you're going to see more of, okay, here, here is – it's over by now, and this, this player is going to, you know, carry us through the SEC season. So what do we have – with with the quarterback position, look, I hear detriments. I hear people all the time. I, I fielded comments this week. Alabama doesn't have a quarterback over the weekend. I, I think that we do have a quarterback. I think that we have three or four quarterbacks who can actually win and play. You go back through the quarterback battles throughout time in the Nick Saban era, and obviously Bart Bryce and Tua were off the world, uh, you know, off the charts talented. 
otherworldly talented. And so their talent was, was very obvious to see. And I think we might see that with Julian Sayan next spring, but we're not there yet with Julian Sayan. You're probably going back to a Jake Coker. You're probably going back to a Jalen Hurts, a Mac Jones. You're probably going back to an A.J. McCarron, where these guys are very, very skilled at a certain part, a certain piece of the game. I mean, Mac was Mac had a brilliant mind. Many of you know, if you follow my program or if you follow me, that I don't always, I haven't always loved Mac Jones uh, from a skill set perspective. I don't always think that he, you know, his place in the Alabama history is correct based on, you know, just his talent level. But Mac Jones, Mac Jones, his mind was, he, he, his experience, he was, he, everything was so slow for him in that 2020 season. His experience, but he gave him the ability to read defenses and get Alabama into the right plays. And then he had adequate arm talent to execute after the snap. Now, he also had probably the best offensive line and the best running back and one of the best wide receiver and rubes in, in Alabama history to play with, but that's no knock on him. He was able to utilize it and produce at a very, very high level. Obviously, he was, what, third in the Heisman Trophy voting that, that year? I don't know that he was overly skilled like Tua or like Bryce, but his mind, his the, the, the mental aspect of the game, was he, it was very, very strong. And so you think, okay, what 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 else? Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts, obviously, a great leadership ability and really tough runner, very athletic. But let's be honest, his Alabama his Alabama arm talent mm, left some to be desired, left a lot to be desired at times. Obviously, he was a great starting quarterback, led Alabama to two national championships. He got the job done at a college level, at a high level. And obviously, you'd love to see him. Uh, you know, when he walked off the field against Deshaun Watson, Alabama had the lead. You would love to have seen him win that national championship game. But Jalen was overcoming deficiencies as well. Jalen was a very talented runner and had a cannon for an arm. Obviously, you've seen him develop his arm uh, through the years uh, while at Alabama, at Oklahoma, and in the NFL. You've seen him develop the ability to read a defense through the years. But at the time that he was in Alabama, 16, 17, and a little bit of 18, he was really had, had deficiencies. He had passing game deficiencies. Let's just be honest. You go back, H. M. McCarron had a little bit of deficiency, not as athletic, but a great arm. No, 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 a good arm, a good arm, but also had the leadership kind of qualities that Mac Jones did. Leadership qualities and had the ability to kind of uh, just slow things down and had the killer instinct. Let's talk about Jay Coker. Jay Coker won a national championship with deficiencies. These quarterbacks, look, save for Bryce Young, save for Bryce Young and a little bit of Tua, like these quarterbacks have always had a little bit of deficiency. Blake Sims, Blake Sims was a brilliant runner, but not always the best passer. Lane Kiffin was able to scheme Amari Cooper open left and right and all over the field, and they were able to get the job done. Blake Sims obviously didn't turn into an NFL quarterback, and Jake Coker, same thing, didn't turn into an NFL quarterback. Jake a little bit, uh, a little bit le left some to be desired on the athleticism side, but had a cannon for an arm and was a great leader, had great maturity, had a nice level head about him. So you take the qualities, the positive qualities. Greg McElroy, for example, Greg, uh, you know, obviously. We love you, Greg. 09 National Championship. Thank you so much uh, for, for your services. But as a quarterback, had deficiencies. Not always the best arm. Sneaky athletic, sure. But mostly operated the game best mentally for Greg McElroy. 
Alabama, Alabama has operated uh, throughout the Nick Saban era with quarterbacks that have deficiencies. So people who say, oh, Alabama doesn't have a quarterback going in, in this year. Okay, they don't have a perfect quarterback. They don't have a prospect that's looking like the number one pick in the draft next year. I'll agree with that. That's very fair. There ain't no Bryce Young rolling off the bench right now. But Jalen Milrow, think about I mean, each, each of the guys have talent or have an aspect of their game that can be leaned on, that can be leaned on and utilized for success, for great success. Jalen Milrow, all right, you'd love to see the passing mechanics get a lot smoother. You'd love to see him be a lot more accurate. You would. Yes, he's got a little bit of a, I'm throwing, I'm placing the football, uh, I'm throwing the ball like darts. Yeah, but his athleticism is off the off the dadgum charts. And you get him in the third and nine, you get him in a third and 12, if he can't complete a pass, I feel pretty dadgum good about his ability to tuck the football and run, i.e. Arkansas 70 yards down the sidelines when you really needed it. I mean, Jalen Milrow can torture defenses with his ability to run and just, you know, dink and, dink and dunk and pick the right plays. His deficiencies are not de- deficient enough to keep him off the field. Now, the ba- the main deficiency that everyone has to avoid is turnovers. Main thing, don't turn the football over. Let James Burnup, who had a great day on Saturday, boom these punts down the field. If we can't move the ball, all right, fine. If we can't move the ball, we got to end. You know the coach Saban saying, end every drive in a punt, end every oh, in a kick, in a in a kick is what he said. End every drive in a kick, whether it be a punt, an extra point whatever the case may be, or a field goal op. End every drive and a kick. Cannot turn the football over. You put James Burnup out there, it sounds like he was booming the kicks on Saturday, the punts on Saturday, and you put Will Reichert out there, who apparently was perfect again on Saturday, kicked a 50-yard field goal and made it uh, on Saturday. Let me find my nugget on uh, on Yeah, Will Reichert, perfect day, which included a 55-yard field goal on the first drive. Like, you put these two experienced players out there without turning the football over, you give your defense a chance. Give the defense a chance, which I think is going to – look, you give the defense 70 yards to defend, 80 yards to defend, you give them – you don't put them in in short field positions. I think that we're going to be just fine. You run the football. You, you run the football. It sounds like the running game, the offensive line, was just opening up holes uh, on the running game. And look, I think our defense is good, but I think that speaks back to the earlier point of not really knowing or not really feeling comfortable in pass protection with you know multiple different guys behind you. But when you know, oh, it's Roy Dell, it's Jason McClellan, oh, it's uh, Jam Miller, it's Justice Haynes and, and Richard Young. Oh, and I got to, you know, whatever it is, trap, I got to off tackle play or I got a zone, uh, you know, outside zone, whatever, whatever the concept is. These offensive linemen are running it uh, to, to, to their full abilities and moving players off the line of scrimmage. So none of this sounds bad to me. None of this sounds upsetting to me. And, and granted, I do like to keep the positive perspective. I, 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 I hate selling doom and gloom unless it really is doom and gloom. Look, you guys know that I'm a Bears fan. I Every year I go into, these are the positives for the Bears and how we can win 12 games. And obviously, if you watched us last year, uh, that we won three games, worst team in the league. But I was positive until the very end. And that's how I'm always going to try to be because I know the hard work that these guys put in, both at the player level, the coaching level, and the support staff level. These guys are working their dadgum tails off to try to play well. They're not out there, they're not, they're not out there messing around. Uh, they, I, I really strongly feel the Alabama on the front of their chest. 
really means something, really means something. And and if it doesn't mean anything, I think that at least uh, these guys want to acquit themselves very, very well. They don't want to hear the hate on social media. They don't want to hear the negative talk on social media. And, you know, Coach Saban always says he's not on social media. But the players are. The players are. They want to play well for you. They want to perform well for you because winning is always more fun than losing. Coach Saban talked about it. What's, What's fun on Saturday? Winning is fun. I think you're going to be just fine at the quarterback position. I think what we've heard from Saturday's scrimmage was that Milrow will lead your number one offense going out there against MTSU. After talking to people on Saturday, I won't be surprised if in the first three weeks, MTSU, Texas, and that USF game, you see a little bit of all four quarterbacks. Whether I mean, the only reason you wouldn't is if Milrow comes out in that first drive and just leads you right down the field. Boom, 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 boom. And then the second drive, right down the field. Milrow leads you right down the field. If you don't see that kind of level of production against MTSU, which might, which would surprise me, uh, th- then I think you will see a little bit of all, th- all three at least and maybe even a fourth quarterback in Dylan Lonergan. Now you play Texas the next week, and Texas is coming for your neck. They are. They're coming for for your neck, and they're trying to overcome. They're trying to get some revenge from last year's loss. They're trying to put themselves on the map with a big old win at, in Tuscaloosa. You've heard me talk about the Texas game. Do we want? Do I? Do I want to win it? Absolutely. You're dead gum right. I will. Uh, I want to beat Texas. I do. But does beating Texas or losing to Texas affect what's going to happen down the line in the college football playoff? No. If you win the West, if you go through the West and you beat, you know, you win the West, you win the SEC championship, you get, to, you are in the college football playoff, even if you have a one loss to Texas. I think you still need to be, you know, using those snaps and using that game to make sure or to find out who's going to be the quarterback all year long. You think back to the Ole Miss, uh, the Ole Miss game here in, in Tuscaloosa in 2016, where uh, Cooper Bateman starts, and obviously you got the wild, the stupid wild play, or I think it was Chad Kelly gets sacked and he throws it up, and the Ole Miss receiver catches it on like third and 18 and runs in a touchdown, like a stupid wild play, right? Instincts that Alabama lost that game. But throughout that game, you saw, boom, Jake Coker stole the job or really claimed the job, claimed the job. And really, if that game had been another quarter long, one more quarter long, Alabama wins. I feel very confident in that. And so if that's the case, if that's what plays out against Texas, if you lose the game but you find who your starting quarterback is, I think it's not really going to be that big of a loss. You go to USF the next week, you beat USF, and then you start to roll through your SEC schedule. And what you want to do, make sure you win the West. That's the number one goal. Win the dadgum West. Obviously, okay, baseline, we'll scale it back. Number one goal is beat Auburn. Beat Auburn. And then number two goal is to win the West. Number three goal, after you won the West, after you beat Auburn, after you won the West, win the SEC championship. After number, Number four goal, get to the college football playoff. And then after that, you're rolling the dice. Obviously, national championship is the very top goal. But you get into the college football playoff, you give yourself a chance. I don't want to throw the Texas game. I don't. That's not what I'm trying to say at all. That is not what I'm trying to say at all. What I'm trying to say is the fact that you need to use these three weeks, MTSU, Texas, and South Florida, to find and secure who's going to be the starting quarterback. And I think right now, after the Saturday scrimmage, the guys are still – Pretty close together. I know last week after the first scrimmage, I said that Jalen Milrow is taking a step forward, but I said we're still on the the back straightaway. 
I think Jalen Miller still has a little bit of a lead on all three of them. And while we're not quite on the back straightaway anymore, we are on that, you know, that that third turn. We're in the third turn. We've got to figure it out as we come down the back stretch in the last in the next 12 days. Uh, so Jalen Miller is going to be your starting quarterback. Uh, but I think and I feel like you're going to see at least, yeah, at least all three quarterbacks in that first game and, and, and likely more, through, uh, likely more through the first three weeks. Yes, you want to beat Texas. But really, the the best thing, the, the the most important thing in in these three weeks is to solidify who's going to play a lot behind center throughout the rest of the year. Who's going to lead you through the SEC schedule? And we'll find out. Do I like Dylan Miller as the option? I still do. Um, I like the the buzz that you're hearing from Dylan Nonigan. Anytime that you hear this player had a positive day, that player had a positive day. Look, I'm not pulling for or against any of these quarterbacks. I want. Coach Saban, and I want the Alabama offense to be operating at a very, very high level. So whoever can take the reins, that's what Coach Saban wants. Grab the bull by the horns. I think you're still waiting on one of the quarterbacks to kind of really do that. And while that's a little concerning, uh, I still think you have some time to to, uh, grab that bull by the horns. All right, let's move on. Quarterback quarterback uh, talk is fun, but let's move on. We've been, ooh, 30 minutes on quarterback talk. Woohoo! We're going to talk about the offensive line. The offensive line was a little bit different uh, over Saturday. And and so, look, what do we what do you have along the offensive line? Here's your updated first five. Caden Proctor on the left side, left to right. Caden Proctor, Tyler Booker. Ooh, that's a change. Seth McLaughlin, Darian Dalcourt, and then JC Latham. Now, all those guys are all those guys are highly touted. All those guys are highly rated. You obviously know that you're walking in with McLaughlin, J.C. Latham, and Tyler Booker as experienced, and and Darren Dalcourt as experienced guys. You're getting four of your most experienced guys out there. You flip Booker from the left, uh, from the right, excuse me, from the right to the left, and give Caden Proctor uh, somebody with a nasty streak, somebody who's experienced, and somebody with with, with uh, just a little bit of an ability to help you out right there. If you're going to throw the freshman out there at the left tackle position, you know that other teams are coming after him. You know that they're going to rush right over him. Why not throw your nastiest guard, your nastiest interior lineman right next to him to help him out? Yes, you know the relationship with Book, with Tyler Booker and J.C. Latham. Obviously, those two guys, high school teammates, and, and uh, there was a little bit of a school of thought that you pair them both up on the right side. But but Tyler Booker is talented enough, I think, to flip to the left and help your man, Caden Proctor, uh, assimilate into the college game. Now, do I like hearing that Darian Dalcourt's getting some buzz and love? Yeah, sure. We, I mean, Dalcourt, uh, you know, it's the Coach Saban way. The Coach Saban way to reward guys who stick with the program and work very hard. Look, Dalcourt's not playing center. He ain't going to play center for you. Uh, he's going to be Seth McLaughlin, uh, Brocker Meyer, or TJ Ferguson playing center, probably in that order. Uh, Dalcourt, I mean, yes, he can play center, emergency center, but really you're trying to find a place for him, find a home for that big old body, and likely guard is going to be his home in the NFL or home in the XFL or wherever he's going to play in the future. So throw him out there at right guard. He's one of your most experienced offensive linemen. You and really, you try to overwhelm teams with experience, with age, with, and with nastiness. So there's your offensive line. Your little breaks from Saturday. Uh, you, you got a little change. Moving Tyler Booker from left to uh, from right to left, and then Darren Dalcourt sliding into that right guard position. Uh, and, and I feel good about that offensive line. Now, what you heard was exactly what I said about five minutes ago. 
really good run blocking, really nice road grading, very suspect pass blocking. And whether that is due to Caden Proctor's inexperience or whether that is due to the Alabama offense, uh, Alabama defensive line and, and edge rushers getting a lot of pressure, I think that has the, more, the most to do with it. Or whether that has to do with the five offensive linemen not always being in there at the same time, not always getting the same experience. I think that those two factors, the strength of the Alabama defense and the lack of chemistry with those five, you've got 12 days to get it right. You got 12 days, and then and really what's 12 and 7 is 19 days until Texas comes to town, and their defensive front is going to be pretty nasty, pretty 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 brutal up front. So you want to have the guys uh, gaining, you know, finding their chemistry, five fingers, one fist, finding their chemistry by the time Texas comes to town. I feel good about that five. I do. Dalcourt gives me a little cause for concern just because I think he plays a little too high. I want to see him get lower into his hips, and I want to see him really drive defenders off the ball, uh, not get overwhelmed when he's pass setting, stay low, use that big old body, use that that frame, stay low in your hips, and, and hold the line in pass protection. Let's see. Have we already we already hit on the drops a little bit? Uh, we already hit on the drops a little bit. Let's talk about yeah defense. We hit on the defense just a touch, but my takeaways on the defense are as follows. Let's see. Let me pull my notes right there. Uh, right there. Yeah. 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 Uh, Alabama's. Let's see. Your your starting defense really looked like. Uh, well, I want to talk about the defensive back, so that's where I'm going. Uh, Terry Terry and Arnold Terry and Arnold and Kool McKinstry are locked in as the starting cornerbacks. And I think that's been obvious to a lot of people. You see a lot of love for Trey Amos, which it seems like he's getting some some run, but it seems like he's getting some run in the money package. Uh, look, it's, Mal- it's Terry and Arnold and it's Kool-Aid McKinstry. They're going to be locked down corners, and I am so excited about them. Part of the reason you're seeing maybe some of the quarterback struggles are – Effective defensive back play. The defensive backs are – look, our secondary is going to be as nasty as it's been probably – I don't want to whisper 2016, but kind of close to that 2016 – at least talent level. Their talent level is just as high as probably that 2016 team. Now, you don't have the the uh, real experienced uh, experience Minka Fitzpatrick back there. You have maybe his freshman clone in Caleb Downs. You got Caleb Downs and Malachi Moore both playing, uh, both playing at safety. Jalen Key kind of lines up in there in in your star uh, in your in your uh, nickel package, and then when you get into the dime, you're playing Trey Amos as well. So you think about the talent in that room, those five, those six guys. You get them all out there on the field. I think ooh, it's going to be tough sledding throwing against this Alabama defense this year. And really, look, you've had. Thank you, Josh Joe, for your service. Thank you, Anthony Averett, for your service. Thank you. Like, go back the last three or four years. Uh, I guess Eli Ricks a little bit last year just uh, in, in select games. But you haven't had a dominant corner ooh, since Pat Sertain. Pat Sertain was an amazing cornerback. Oh, my gosh, was the perfect cornerback. And you see where he lands in the NFL's top 100, what, he was top 20 or so, and, and, and really he is – He's the best defensive back in the NFL already. Uh, sorry, Sauce Gardner. I know you like to be loud and chirpy with that, but Pat Sertain is the perfect cornerback. When Pat was here, you had basically defenses and or you had basically offenses say, we're not throwing at Sertain. We're going to pick on Josh Job. We're going to pick on anybody else other than, than Pat Sertain. Trayvon Diggs was still here. He got picked on just a little bit. You guys remember that. Look, 
you haven't had a perfect corner since Pat Sertain. I think Kool-Aid McKinstry is looking like uh, one of those perfect corners. And Terry Arnold is just getting more and more comfortable in his role. It's the second year that Terry on's played corner in his life. And Coach Saban says, oh, gosh, uh, look at this guy. You're going to be a corner. I'm going to make you into a corner. And I think this year you guys are really going to be happy with what you see out of Terry and Arnold. Uh, the defensive backs are really going to make things tough, are really going to make things tough on offenses. And so while you are worried about quarterbacks, quarterbacks, I think there's not really anything to worry about cornerbacks. Uh, and because of the defensive strength that you're going to be rolling into the season with, now obviously – we hope for health. We hope for great health for everybody eh, on all teams, but especially right here at Alabama. Uh, if, if the health stays intact, then I think you're really going to see an Alabama team, the Alabama Anaconda. We talked about it last week, just slowly choking the life out of other teams. The defense basically being a brick wall where the offense pounds away, pounds away, pounds away. And yeah, your first quarter might be 10 to zero or 10 to three. And then your second quarter might be 24 to 10 or something like that. But by the time you're in that third and fourth quarter, you're seeing the Alabama Anaconda choke the life out of other teams. And you're looking at a 38-17 final score. You're looking at a 45-17 final score. And you're like, wow, how did Alabama blow them out? It never felt that. It never felt like a blowout. But just slowly over time, the defense just cr just clamps down and the offense does their job and really hammers away and, and scores points throughout the game. I think the Alabama Anaconda will be back this season. All right, so that's really going to do it for my scrimmage talk. You, you can read about it right there on BamaCentral.com. My man Austin Hannon also taking away uh, lots of sources and, and talking to a lot of sources, getting some, uh, getting some intel on BamaCentral.com. The way I want to finish this program is highlighting two victories for Alabama over the weekend. Obviously, you, you, no score kept in the scrimmage, and we don't care who, who wins or loss. I, I feel like the defense did win the scrimmage, but what's the big deal? At the end of the day, everybody knows Alabama wins uh, the scrimmage. What did happen – what did happen over the weekend was Nick Dunlap. If you guys are not uh, golf fans, that is A-OK. -okay. Look, you guys all know Justin Thomas, and we love him. We're hopeful that his game gets back into shape, and we're waiting to see if he gets selected on the Ryder Cup team or not. I kind of think he's going to be left out. But you all know uh, Justin Thomas and the success that he has had. The next great Alabama golfer is right there on the rise. We had Cannon Claycomb on the program maybe three weeks ago. And if you missed that, you can see it on YouTube, on Facebook, Twitter. You can listen to it on all the podcast platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Cannon Claycomb joined us last uh, about three weeks ago to talk about Alabama golf. And he talked about Nick Dunlap quite a bit. Nick Dunlap last year as a freshman uh, dominated SEC, uh, first team, uh, SEC all freshman team. This year, he has had a great summer schedule, and what did he do? He won the 123rd U.S. Amateur Championship. He became the second golfer in the history of golf to win both the U.S. Amateur and U.S. Junior Amateur Championships, Nick Dunlap and Tiger Woods. What great company to be in, uh, obviously. So Nick Dunlap goes out and he wins the U.S. Amateur. It's okay if you didn't watch it. Yes, it was on Golf Channel and it was on the, uh, the NBC throughout the weekend. Nick Dunlap joins Jerry Pate, eight-time PGA Tour winner, uh, as the only Alabama golfers to win a U.S. Amateur Championship. And look, he defeated Gordon Sargent, the number one ranked golfer for, for, for Vanderbilt but on Wednesday, I believe it was, Wednesday or Thursday, he rolls out and whips up on his opponent on Saturday. And then you got to give a lot of credit 
to uh, what is it? No, Shipley. Uh, is that, was that it's uh, yeah, Neil Shipley. You got to give a lot of credit to Neil Shipley for pushing for pushing Nick Dunlap yesterday in the final. Uh, he, he really did. They both shot 66 through the first 18. It's a it's a 36-hole championship, so the guys have to play two rounds basically in the same day. They tied through the first round, and then in the second round, Nick Dunlap, his uh, his character and really his skill shone through, and he won, what, four and three? So he won with a couple holes left remaining. He basically uh, ended the match early, uh, and, and Nick, he, was, he played great. He played great, and I want to encourage you guys to pay attention to Alabama golf this year because I think that this team really might be competing for national championships. I I, I do. Uh, it's been what since was uh, was it twenty twelve and thirteen the back to back titles I think it was uh, for Alabama. I think this team is going to get uh, is going to be very very close to competing for a national championship and might win the whole dang thing. A very very cool thing that we saw yesterday. You saw Cannon Claycomb, Thomas Ponder, and several other Alabama golfers wake up at the at the butt crack of dawn and catch a flight out to the event and support uh, Nick Dunlap they walked all 30 all 35 34 holes uh, whatever that they played they walked all the holes with him and and supported him along the way it was great to see the Alabama golf team out there supporting Nick Dunlap as he won the US amateur championship and we want to say a big congratulations and roll tide to you Nick Dunlap for winning that US amateur championship and really guys He's going to be that next great Alabama golfer out of Huntsville, Greystone member in Birmingham. Like He's going to be that next great Alabama golfer that we support and, and cheer on for the next, oh, you know, he's, he's young. He's 18, 19. He's young. He's going to be playing high-level golf for a long, long time. So get familiar with Nick Dunlap. Hopefully the sophomore is going to lead Alabama. He and Cannon Claycomb and Thomas Ponder will lead Alabama to great success this year. I think this team is really built to contend and compete so yes we all want to see Alabama football win a national championship of course absolutely they're the kings uh, right here on campus but I think you shouldn't be, be, be I really think you should be paying attention to this Alabama golf team as we're heading into the new season I think this team's going to really really impress people uh impress people and, and equip themselves very very well Lastly on the program today, let's hit one more topic and appreciate everybody joining us. We got some people watching on Facebook and watching on YouTube. We appreciate everybody watching you watching us on the Joe Gaither Show on Bama Central. You can watch us each and every day right around 1 o'clock on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and on Amazon. We love each and every one of you guys. You can comment on the program on Facebook and YouTube and Twitter as well. Uh, leave us your comments, questions, queries, and complaints and critiques right there on all the social media machines at Joe Gaither six. We appreciate each and every follower, all the interaction, send me a friend request and we'll, we'll chat it up. If you want to chat it up about anything we say on the program, last topic that we want to get into for the day on a beautiful Monday. And it is beautiful right here in downtown Northport, right about a mile, two miles away from Brighton stadium. We had Alabama soccer yesterday take on its second game and real quick for you guys, Alabama soccer is still undefeated. Winning one to zero behind a Kate Henderson goal. Kate Henderson scores with about ten minutes left in the game yesterday against UAB. So not necessarily the scoring affair that we are used to for the Alabama soccer team or that we're expecting out of the Alabama soccer team. But want to give a shout out to Kate Henderson getting her first goal of the season. 
Uh, if you get out to a soccer game, if you do get out to a, or watch them on ESPN Plus at any point this year, well, pay attention. Kate Henderson is a ooh, very, very talented midfielder. She puts the ball on a silver platter for her attackers. She really is, uh, in my opinion, uh, very, very talented as a holding midfielder. What does that mean for anybody who doesn't know? She is getting the ball from the defense to the midfield and kind of uh, con- controlling it, corralling it as the, as uh, as their opponents are, are bearing down on her and she is really really good at uh, really getting that ball back out and getting it out in an outlet fashion to defend or to offensive players to get the ball down the field. Now you need that you need that holding player to basically give your defense a break and to help set up the offense. Uh, yesterday she uh, turns in her first goal of the season for Alabama soccer. The soccer team now two and zero after defeating DePaul last Thursday and defeating UAB yesterday. They'll be back in action up in Nashville on Thursday. They'll be in Nashville on Thursday taking on Lipscomb. I'll remind you, next Sunday, the 27th, is the next time that Alabama soccer will be in town right here at Alabama Soccer Complex. You can watch them uh, on on the the 27th against Memphis at 7 p.m., and we encourage you guys to do that. Uh, Get out there. It's a free event. You can cheer on Alabama soccer. It'll be a great way to start your, uh, you know, start your academics, your Alabama athletic calendar. Get out there and support the girls. They're going to try to be going for, hopefully, That'll be 4-0. Hopefully they'll beat Lipscomb. I expect them to beat Lipscomb, uh, and they'll be rolling in to Alabama Soccer Complex undefeated on next Sunday. So that's going to do it for my program today. I appreciate everybody watching us on the show. You can check us out on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. Tell a friend about the program. Hit that little share button on all those platforms or repost on Twitter uh, to expose us to a little bit more people. And then, of course, you can subscribe, rate, and review us on all those podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Amazon, or Spotify. Just hit that subscribe button, and you will not miss a single episode. I am going to reach out to a of Yay Alabama to bring them onto the program. I believe we'll have uh, Jay McPhillips, the executive director of Yay Alabama, joining us later in the week. We're going to talk about things that I got wrong. There are definitely things that I got wrong on Friday. We're going to clear up some misconceptions about Yay Alabama with Jay McPhillips. We're going to get educated and find out how we can get more people involved with Yay Alabama and find out really just kind of what their goals are as an organization. Really looking forward and very grateful that Jay McPhillips wants to jump on the program. We cannot wait to have him, Mr. Yate, Alabama's executive director. We'll, we'll we'll make sure that we uh, we'll make sure that we put that out on social media beforehand. So all you guys who are interested, or everybody who uh, watched the Friday program or listened to the Friday program, can be informed. That'll be kind of part number two to our Yay Alabama discussion. And we're going to reach out to Caleb Odom's people. We got some positive conversation last week before their game against Langston Hughes. He had a nice touchdown grab. Unfortunately, Carrollton Trojans lost. Uh, we're going to uh, re- try to get Caleb Odom onto the program as well. Alabama 2024 tight end commit. So that's going to do it for the show. Make sure you follow Bama Central. Listen to our other Bama Central Broadcasting Network podcasts. All things Bama with Katie Windham and Austin Hannon. Blue Collar Unplugged with Blake Byler, Matthew Gibson, and Jacob Pickle. Subscribe to Bama Central's YouTube channel so you're not missing a single press conference or a single show. We love you so much. Reach out to me on social media at Joe Gaither 6 anywhere that you get your social medias. We'll be back on Tuesday for another edition of the Joe Gaither Show right here on Bama Central and BamaCentral.com.